Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. It's Friday. It really it's is Friday. a Friday. It's not Monday we, still. We typically record on Thursdays, and this week we're doing a bonus episode, and I feel like Thursday because it's now we're, we're talking, and Michael and I... I mean, we communicate outside of Thursdays, but we typically don't see each other until right. Thursday. So now it's screwed up my whole day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, listen, we've been screwed up for three months. So <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll, you've got two episodes this week of the Music yep. Biz Weekly podcast. Good conversation. Because this, uh, this week's guest is somebody we definitely wanted to talk to. Um, but before we get rolling with this week's guest, Thank you so much to HypeBot.com. Thank you, thank you so much to BandsInTown.com. And thank you, DiscMakers.com, for your continued support. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musicians. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, and T-shirts online has become an important income generator. For every CD you sell online, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. And that's a lot of streams. That's a lot of marketing. That's a lot of promotion. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So we got a special offer put together for you with DiscMakers.com. Head over to their website, DiscMakers.com. Place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, F-R-E-E-B-I-Z, and you will save up to $150 in shipping costs. So head over to DiscMakers.com today. Take advantage of this great offer to save up to $150. So, Jay, we've got a returning guest this week. Yeah, we do. Uh, our friend, um, Kevin Bruner, uh, senior VP now. <laughs> He's been promoted at uh, CD Baby. Uh, always a good conversation with, uh, with Kevin, and today's no different. Yeah, no different. So just let it roll, and we'll see you at the end. Today, we have the Senior VP of Marketing from CD Baby, Kevin Bruner. Kevin, welcome to our little show, or welcome back, I welcome should say. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. thanks Good for having me. Good to see you again. It's been a little while. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. As you can see, my this is the longest my hair's been in probably like since college, where, where in college it was like halfway down my back, but... Uh, if this yeah. pandemic keeps going, it might end up there again. So, <laughs> you know, you, you know, what's funny is I think if the pandemic keeps going, people are going to just end up going bald because, you know, I've been shaving my head for like 20 years. And finally, there's a great reason that I shaved my head. I don't have to worry about a hair salon opening. Up. There you go. There you yeah. go. <laughs> the next show we do with Kevin, it's going to be like 80s hair metal. He's just going to have the yeah, full on. Hey, there you yeah. go. There you go. Nice. Anyway, welcome, Kevin. It's good to see you. Yeah, so, good to so be here. Let's, let's, let's catch up a little bit since you were last on. A um, couple things that have changed in the CD baby world that maybe we can touch on real briefly. Um, the, the transition, the closing, the transition of host baby, your, yep. your hosting service, and uh, the CD baby store. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'll dive into those. Uh, with, with Host Baby, you know, it was, I think Host Baby was started in, it was 2002 when it was started. And, and back then, the idea of artists having easy website tools that were artist friendly or, or you know, centered around the artist experience were, were rare. And so yeah. that became a, a great tool for artists to build out a web presence. And over the years, uh, you know, we built on that platform and, uh, but it still, you know, wasn't our main focus of business inside the company. And as the web got more advanced and things were just happening quicker and quicker, uh, it just wasn't an area where we wanted to continue to invest because other people like our friends at Banzoogle, that is their main job and they're doing it much better than we ever would. So we looked at the landscape and where we wanted to put our attention and efforts and it wasn't in continuing to build out web presences. And so we uh, decided to sunset that brand and partner with Banzoogle and move all our users over there. And the best thing is, I've been able to now get a Banzoogle site because I've Aren't wanted one forever. And it's like one of those things where you're like, yeah, I, I've known Dave cool over at Banzoogle forever. And I'm like, I love your guys stuff, but it just would look bad if I was using baby. And I was, and I was, I had a Wix site and all that. And, and, um, but it's been great because they have tools and things like a commission free store, uh, some new uh, options to do like a, a pre-sale or fan funding campaign built in commission free and subscriptions, all that kind of stuff. They got great tools. Great. Yeah. Um, We're big fans. Yeah. So that, that was just an easy thing for us to do a decision to make. And, and really what we've been trying to do, which goes into the next uh, thing you mentioned with our retail store is uh, we got to a point where we had a lot of brands and a lot of various products um, that, a lot of them we had acquired or had had built up over the years, but really getting to a point where we wanted to focus back in and like, what is the core of our business? What what do artists want us to be uh, great at and what service do we want to deliver to artists? And that really comes down to two things. It's, um, you know, our core distribution and monetization, meaning, you know, helping them monetize their musical assets as many places as possible. And, um, and helping them get paid and then helping them promote their music. And, uh, you know, we had this retail store, which at the beginning of CD Baby, that was our business. It was sort of like the direct-to-fan outlet, only we warehoused and shipped the CDs for you. Um, but over time, you know, again, our core business being distribution and monetizing digital assets, um, our retail experience there just wasn't up to par and it was like do we want to spend time getting this thing up to speed just to try and chase people that are already doing it better like Bandcamp, um or do we want to focus on what we want to be good at and that doesn't mean physical distribution's gone away because part of the decision was that uh over 90 percent of the cds we ship for artists come through our partnership with amazon and uh alliance mostly amazon but alliance also gets uh CDs and in stores yeah. and, and other websites as well. Um, so for us, it was like, we're not getting rid of physical distribution because the majority of it's happening 
through Amazon. Everyone already has a credit card there. So we uh, made the decision to retire the, the CD Baby store, but we're not done with physical and it's not just going to be Amazon. We have plans to potentially like integrate with Banzoogle. So if you sell a CD at your Banzoogle store, you can have it fulfilled by CD Baby oh, and we'll warehouse and ship it for you. So it's just going to look different. It's going to, you know, I think it, in the future, us being able to plug in with something like Shopify or something like that makes more sense because we're good at managing the relationship with artists. We're great at warehousing and shipping and fulfilling all over the world. And if we focus on that when it comes to physical, um, then other people can handle maintaining retail sites that are up to par and, and do the things that need to be done in, you know, the modern web. So. And then we can focus all our energies on doing things, providing the services that artists want, like payment splits, and continue to broaden our monetization. Like, you know, we've added all sorts of coverage in Asia and Africa recently and things like TikTok and all sorts of stuff. So for us, that's really what we want to be spending our time on. I, I, I think it's then valuable to stress to, to our listeners Physical distribution is still there. It, it's, it, you know, there might be some um, misinformation or misunderstanding. It didn't go away. It's just sort of the, 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 the store, which I've seen, you know, over the years, a lot of artists put their CD Baby store embedded into their website and stuff like that. That's going away, but you'll still be able to distribute physical goods through your other channels. Correct. And, and a lot of the artists that I've talked to that were, uh, frustrated by the decision, many of them, when they actually looked in their account, realized, oh, those CD sales I was having, that was actually from Amazon, <laughs> not from your retail site. Because yeah. um, we didn't make this just because out of convenience. Uh, we made the decision because the decision was really already made for us. That yeah, it's a business decision. Very few people were buying CDs anymore from our website. And the downloads were uh, uh, just non-existent. There were yeah. some, and there were some artists that liked it because they could price it. But I'm like, go to use Bandcamp for that or Banzoogle. Your Banzoogle site, you can sell commission-free yeah. uh, downloads. Do that. And, um, and then they're at your site. And also part of it was that the experience, the retail experience was just not great anymore through our site, especially for downloads. It's like... It, and it wasn't something we we're going to continue to develop. So we didn't, we're like, why continue to invest resources just to maintain this bad user experience when the sales and the revenue for artists just isn't there anymore? Let's focus on the places where we can help them drive revenue and uh, facilitate, uh, especially on the physical side, facilitate that in other places where they want their fans to be, like their own website. So I really look forward to having a fulfilled by CD baby option at Banzoogle. And we had hoped to have that in place by the time we closed the store. But um, with all the, you know, development things going on with both organizations and, you know, it, it wasn't able to sync that up. But it, 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 yeah. it, it, seem, it seems to me that, you know, the, the online store is also competing with every form of a smart URL, short URL, Mm -hmm. service that's out there which are now building quite easily these landing pages with all of your purchase links on them yeah 
Which we have one of those too at CD Baby, and that's one of the products that we want to invest in. It's called Here Now, and that's what it does. It creates a landing page for artists that has all their links, and you can drop in links to physical fulfillment, whether it's Amazon, Banzoogle, you can do whatever. So that's where we're heading, and we plan to do some physical fulfillment on that as well. So, yeah, for us, it's a matter of the retail experience and us owning a retail experience is less relevant to how we want to be a part of the um, distribution and promotion cycle of an album. Uh, and what we want is for to facilitate it in the places where it makes sense. And the, the music like business is so like, fractured now. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you're doing what you've always done, which is you're constantly kind of innovating and changing and growing with the times so your core business now isn't necessarily what it was you know five years ago where do you kind of see it going i i hear you kind of touch on all these different parts of your your new business model what what is cd baby's core business and where do you see that kind of moving forward i mean the business that we've always been in is uh being an advocate for the independent artist and being an advocate for the independent artist community. I mean, even if you look at the beginning, that's really how the business was started. It wasn't started just because someone thought, oh, here's an opportunity. It was because they wanted to help, Derek wanted to help facilitate and empower the independent artist community. And that was a lot of the driving force and ethos that's been built into the company. And to me, that's still, still the same. And so, for us, we, you know, we look at, we've got this community of artists. We want to help them get their music out to the world. And we want to make sure that it's monetized as best it can. And that it, we're opening up as many opportunities for them to get their music in front of people who uh, are potential fans. And so for us, it's just facilitating the flow of their music out to the world and helping them providing them with opportunities of promotion and things like that. So uh, in our, in the future, we're, we're um, going to be developing more things in the, the realm of promotion and things like that. But, you know, there's still a lot to be done on the uh, monetization front as more music usages, uh, types of music usages pop up in a digital space. There's, new things happening all the time right. that uh, it's like, hey, what kind of right does that uh, need to be covered? You know, and like there's still lots of platforms that aren't fully monetizing the music like they should, like Facebook and Instagram and things mm -hmm. like that, right. where there's right. big opportunity for revenue. And we're on the front lines of those areas and just expanding into other territories like India is really opening up to, there's over a billion sure. people there opening up streaming and, and uh, real access to music from all over the world to yeah. places like that and in Africa as well. And yeah. so it's for us, it's like making sure that this is a global experience. Well, you've always been, you know, you've always had the <clears throat> indie artists back, you know, you, whether it's with your education, with your blog or with the conference, which, which kind of reminds me with, with the conference this year and because of the COVID situation, are you taking some of those things online? Uh, we did officially cancel the conference, which was yeah. sad. In fact, yeah. today 
I was supposed to be standing in Valencia, Spain for our European version of the conference. Wow. <laughs> so that was, that was, uh, you know, yeah, canceling that one. We were going to Valencia and then up to France for Midem. And that was, I was so looking forward to being up in Europe for that. But, um, we we're we're open to options the since our conference wasn't originally scheduled till the end of august um we we were still holding on to the idea that we're not sure if we're going to be able to do phys, uh, an actual conference or not and then when it became clear we started talking about other options and looking at things and we're not we're not launching a uh digital version yet we may do something but we're kind of giving it some space because so many conferences have done that. And, and April, May, and June is sort of like this big kind of window of conference season that um, I don't know. We're, we're wondering if people are going to feel fatigued at that point and feel kind of tapped out of the virtual conference. Yeah, We're not sure. Um, we, we do have some feelers out there, but we're also considering the idea of waiting to see what happens with the, you know, as we move into the fall and potentially do some smaller one day, maybe one half day house. things where a hundred people in LA, a hundred people in Austin, Nashville, right, yeah. where we can bounce around a little bit and make it smaller and bring in some people to, um, to speak and some of us yeah. speak and That'd be super cool. get together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the things that happen at these conferences, as you know, yeah, the workshops and those things are great, but it's those conversations in line at the coffee mm -hmm. shop. It's seeing the guy in the lobby. It's that sort of thing. So it's a different experience, right? When yeah. You do it in person. But I think it would be what you're describing sounds amazing. I think it would be really cool to maybe do a hybrid of, you know, whatever you can do. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to do. And we'll see. I think in the next couple of weeks as summer hits and people are like, I can't stay in my house any longer. We're going to see, uh, you know, maybe get a sense for what the fall might look like. So, yeah. well, so while, while we're, we're talking about how, how COVID has impacted what you've been doing. Um, our last guest was Amanda Kagan, a publicist from ABC PR. And one of the questions we asked her was, during the stay at home, the quarantine, however you want to label it, what's your opinion on bands continuing to record and release music? You know, because we've seen we've seen major bands delay album release. Mm -hmm. I think I think there's an understanding of why that's probably happening. They can't tour to support an album. Yeah. And as we also know, right now, people like Amazon are not taking new product into their warehouse right now. So why would mm -hmm. you release an album that you can't go to Amazon and actually purchase? Um, but when it's all digital, do you, do you think this is still a good time for people to really take advantage of this downtime, so to speak, and get in there and record and release? I do. Uh I think you're right in that for like a major artist, um, when you get to a certain tier, like a major label artist, you're, you're going to have to delay the release because you have so many things that are lined up that if you're going to hit those sales goals for that, that album, the tour has to coincide with the physical product at Amazon and all these other things that maybe they have synced up. The independent artists or, or most artists, uh, including all the independent artists, 
aren't in that scenario. And for those artists, I think this is the best time ever to release music. And I'll, I'll say why. And uh, first I can say that artists have gone into release overdrive like you would not believe. Um, when this all started, we weren't sure what it was, what, what the impact on our business would be. And uh, it was the week I was still in the office, but we knew that we were going to start working from home on that Friday, Friday the 13th of March and haven't been back since. Wow. Um, and uh, so we all, we were standing there talking and, and everyone was wondering like, is this going to, are we going to have to like downsize or do something with our business? I'm like, I don't know. I could see this having a really positive impact on our business because artists are home recording and, re and just releasing music. And it was only, you can look in our Google Analytics and you can see it was like March 11th, that week, where it's just a giant tick wow. and it just goes rocketing up. And we've had a tsunami of new music submissions like we've never seen before. That's the busiest we've ever been in the history of the company, just trying to keep up with all the new music being put out. So yeah. the, 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 why I think it's the could be potentially the best time ever for an independent artist to release music is because the other thing that's going on right now is that most of our lives have been, a lot of the distractions, distractions have been shut off. And I know all 2018 and 2019, people were talking about we're at uh, peak attention. People do not have any more attention room in their day, in their life. They are programmed from morning to uh, tonight. And um, we're in a space where people might have the most attention that they might have in the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah, where they, they, all their habits and patterns have been broken, and which means they're open to try new things, have space for, uh, you know, discovering new music or, you know, just there's more attention to, to put towards things that they otherwise wouldn't have. So to me, for an independent artist, that presents a lot of opportunity if you recognize that this is the time where you uh, you can really you know grab people's attention more so than you would have six months ago, and uh, if you get creative and do interesting things, uh, it could be a big opportunity for you. Yeah, you know, I, both I, sides. I, yeah. I, I kind of feel like Jay and I were chatting in an email earlier this morning, and I said, you know, I think what we're going to find here is the listening habits of everybody is going to be changing because of this mm -hmm. because you're That's not cool. working in an office because you're at home, all this other stuff. No now, commute. you know, I, I was saying that for a podcast that might not be a great change because people listen to podcasts on their commutes. Yes, I've no been listening to podcasts, and I love podcasts. And because of that, I don't drive anywhere yeah, anymore. So, so people have to readjust their lives on how to continue doing it. But music has always been something that, fortunately, and I think we're seeing that now, is a can be very much a background activity. Mm -hmm. You put the music on with whatever you're doing. That was harder to do when you were in an office. If you were in mm -hmm. a cube environment you can't just crank up some music because you feel like it. Now when you're at home and there's nobody else to bother, I would suspect listening is going to flip and we're going to start seeing an increase in the amount of music people listen to because it's easier and accessible for them to do it now. There's a yeah. chart that 
came out this week. Um, you'll see it in your morning coffee this morning, where we finally there was a dip in streaming, and now we're finally surpassing where we were pre-COVID. To your point, people are starting to get into that new normal, and maybe they don't commute anymore, but maybe they're going for an hour-long walk in the morning, and that's uh-huh. going to be their podcast or their music time. But Kevin, when you were talking about you know this this change i couldn't help but think that it's on both sides it's the artists the creators create mm-hmm. singers sing guitar players play those people maybe are having more time to create but then on the flip side some of these folks that are now not going into an office they have more time to pardon the expression consume yeah. so it's kind of this double you know whammy of you've got more creators more listeners and i've always believed that you know, this is an always-on music industry. You even before COVID, you couldn't really stay out of the market for an 18-month release cycle. Yeah. People would forget who you are. Yeah, so I think this is almost reinforcing to people like, look, I got to continue to create. I got to continue to get better. I got to continue to practice my guitar. I need to write more. I need to, and I think you give them the vehicles to do that on both sides. Yeah, I when when this started happening, uh, part of the reason why I said um, this might be better for our business uh, because just in my own band, um, uh, so, you know, the, myself and one of the other guys, we we tend to be the guys like, come on, let's keep this rolling, you know. Um, not that the other guys don't want to, but it's, you know, it's part of my work anyway, where I'm like always talking about music and distribution. So I'm always got ideas and things, but, but I, what was interesting is the other guys in the band were like, Hey, I've got all this downtime now. Let's write new songs going. Let's get some new stuff out. I'm like, I bet a lot of people are going to be feeling this way. And are you doing and, it? Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, are you um, doing it like via Zoom or Skype or are you just doing it solo and then getting together? How, how is that process? Well, my band, uh, you know, back in our label days, we were all based in Atlanta, but we're all spread out now. So we, we've got, we're always social distancing. We've always been that way. So um, I'll fly into Atlanta and we'll track sometimes and, and we'll tour like we did a two week tour uh, in December. But uh they um so we were always used to exchanging files back and forth that's just how we do it and uh but when this happened um uh we did we've been doing these uh fake uh well they look like zoom calls they're not (laughs) and that actually has really jump-started activity around our music we've and kind of become this new thing that all our fans want from us We've put out two, but I've also put out some other videos at the same time. But it really uh, re-energized our fan base in, in a really cool way. So for us, it's been a way to, um, you know, start really looking at how our music career might be different. You know, we had shows canceled as well. We had a big corporate gig uh, in June that was canceled that was going to pay for our next album and so that hurt we had a cool festival gig get canceled you know that hurt too and so it's like this just might have to look different but it it might be for us the actual way where it becomes a sustainable thing for us for a long time because now that we're in a groove of making these videos um that we can reach the whole world with every every one we make And and it sounds live and real the way we're doing it we're doing it where we all record 
with iPhones and the actual audio you're hearing is with iPhones. So when they're combined together and the way we did it, it looks like we're all playing together. We even play towards each other and <laughs> edit. The illusion is strong. You know, I'm editing it. I'm like, the illusion is so strong that it feels real. And it's for us, it's just been a cool way to finally get some of the other guys in the band to think about it differently. And I think ultimately what artists in general, the, the independent artists, they've always been on the leading edge of like using YouTube, using live streaming, doing a lot of release, more consistent releases. And then what the, the, the big labels have been accustomed to. But I think for a lot of artists and what I'm experiencing in my band is it's, they're finally going, that's not an option anymore. Like just going on the road and playing, you know, or just playing the local scene. That's what I do. I'm like, there's so many better ways to connect with fans now online. And now that we're being forced to do it, I think people are understanding yeah. like, oh, you're right. If I if we actually dial this in, this could be more powerful than us going and playing to a, a half empty room of people that sure. don't care. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and, and, and more affordable. Yeah. Michael and I were talking about this the other day where, you know, these skills that we're using, um, some of these you may have had before, whether it's, you know, home recording or doing a Zoom call or whatever it is, the editing of these videos, this, these skills, the skill set that we're learning, we're going to take with us post-COVID, and it's going to be a different world. I was talking mm -hmm. to one of my clients who played hundreds of dates last year. They're making more money now than they did when they were touring because they're, they're doing it right, they're doing it smart, but they also don't have, you know, that van and the meals and the hotels and you know all of that stuff you now they're going to take that skill set with them and it's not like they're going to just do online going forward it's that they're going to do both they're going to mix it up so when they're not touring they're going to have some of these other events and they're going to kind of you know combine the two when they're on the road so i see that a lot of these skills that we're all learning it's just going to be a whole new way of doing business yeah, and to me, that's that's what's most ex most exciting that we've we've we had this break, this space, and we learned how to do something, a, a couple new things together as a band, where we can do it individually on our own time. You know, it's easy now for us to do one of these videos. Uh, we've kind of uh, we the, this live Zoom call thing that we did. We did we've done. There's two out there, but we've recorded a few others that we're getting ready to release, and we're like. So we've got this whole like set list queued up of these things we're going to shoot. And I'm like, even after we get back to more of a normal life, we've learned how to do this and it's become second. It'll become second nature that yeah. this is a great way for us to keep momentum going because our band can't tour as much yeah. and we can't get out on the road for a hundred dates out of the year. We can, we we're we're hoping that we can get back up to like 20 a year, but at the same time, releasing music and interacting with video that's doing a lot for us right now and so if we can combine those two it can be really powerful where well, can you know people what? find those videos that you're sorry michael that you're talking about you know that you're combining where can people find those and watch those uh, uh they're on our uh, youtube page at small town poets that's the band name small town poets uh, you know, and most of the action we got off them were, were on Facebook. You can see them there as well. I wrote it actually for the DIY Musician blog. I wrote a whole how-to article on how we did it because oh, cool. uh, the thing that was interesting about it 
some of it I kind of just stumbled in. It was one of those things where I saw people doing it. I'm like, I got to figure out how people are doing this because I know they're not doing it over Zoom. That's impossible. (laughs) And uh, so I I figured it out. And I was like, along the way, just kind of stumbled into some things where, you know, some artists have been doing these kind of things, but they've been recording the acoustic guitar direct or using microphones. We just literally just set up iPhones and then had, you know, our inner monitors in monitoring the guide track yep. that we all were playing to. And when we combined it, because the phone, the, the mics on the iPhones are amazing. Uh, They're pretty good. That's how good they are. And, um, but the combined audio really created this live room sound, like all the guitar sounds and tones were just from the iPhone and uh, drums, bass, and it really created this, feeling of that it really sounds like we're playing together um and so it worked really well as opposed to like if we'd all gone direct and it just sounds like kind of a direct recording and not as great and doesn't feel live it just sounds like live in the studio kind of thing yeah so i wrote a whole how-to about it on the diy musician blog because um i i was just blown away by the excitement from our fans but not only excitement but for us, sort of the issue is we had our label days back in the mid to late 90s. We sold a lot of records, nominated for a Grammy, all that kind of stuff. And then we had a couple albums that didn't, most, some of our diehard fans didn't even know existed. They were still on a label, but they just didn't for whatever reason. And then we had a long hiatus. Then we started making music independently again. It was like, all right, how do we get those old fans to recognize the new music? How do we get uh, new fans energized about what we're doing now? Because we want the stuff now to carry us through, not just the bigger hits from the the label era yeah. from 20 years ago and so this has actually been something where the first thing I, I mean i've tried a ton of stuff i mean i do marketing for a living and I, so i'm always trying stuff for our band and there's been things that have worked and not but this is the first time I'm like wow all these fans came out of the woodwork they're requesting songs they're highly engaged um i've been talking to several of them on the phone and on Facebook, like, how can we build this thing and help you guys build this thing? I'm like, wow, we really found something that's working for us finally. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so for me, it's very exciting. And, and we've got a whole new album in the works, too. So um, lots of new music. Wrong. We had a new single, uh, like, in March, the March 18th, one of the worst release dates ever because uh, <laughs> sure. going home for COVID. But, yeah, so it's been exciting to see everyone learn how to handle this in a digital space and learn new skills that get people out of the mindset of, I'm just going to go play in the club and I'm just going to go do this thing. And so many bands do that. It's just a mistake. Yeah. I think, I think it's important for, for musicians to understand that, that what we're all going through right now is not just a temporary hiccup that will disappear and everything will just come back to the way it was. Yeah. Right. This is changing everything. You know, as, as we, we've had past guests on who are like, you know, there is zero clear idea when shows are returning. Yeah. Zero. And when and, and how those shows finally start to return, you've got to kind of keep in mind, what's the competition going to be like to get that yeah. stage? Every band that's been off the road for over... 12 months, 18 months now wants to start playing again. It's, it's going to, there's not enough stages for all these bands. There's not enough venues. There's not enough money to pay them. Right. The competition is going to be tough. And what you're learning now is going to allow you 
to to I don't know, kind of ride that out. Get yourself back into the groove while yeah. everybody else is fighting over how do I get into that coffee shop stage to play to 20 people. You're sitting there going, not not worries. If I can't get yeah. out and still do it for another six months, I've learned these skills to keep me alive and active. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned that's absolutely true that it's like all these bands that have been waiting to play are all going to want those shows the second they start. And there's probably going to be less venues. I mean, the, uh, this is, it's that's hard right. enough to, it's hard enough to be a venue owner when times are good. Yes. <laughs> that's right. And then venue, you know, you go to South by Southwest and it's like, they're, you're like, wow, these venues turn over yearly. Uh, and sometimes now that we've, you know, we've had our conference there. I've been there more often during the year. I'm like, wow, this, that venue was there for two months. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and if they can't make it when times are good, when it's, there's a lot of venues. I know there's been a lot of talk and organizations popping up, helping to, I think one's called Save Our Stages or something like that, yeah. trying to help venues because that's going to be a tough thing that even as things come back, like your favorite restaurant, you know, they've been trying to survive by takeout. And once they can open up again, your venue's still going to be closed because that's, that's right. on the, you know, all the release, uh, phases for opening the country back that's up the that last I've seen. Thing. That's, that's, that, that, yeah. that's even uh, San Francisco just released their, their rollout plan. And venues and bars and live concerts and gatherings aren't even listed on a projected date. It's still yeah. TBA. Right. And even when they do reopen, it's not like, okay, you've got a thousand capacity place and a thousand people are going to be jamming in there. Yeah. It's going to be a slow roll. It may be with social distancing, maybe it's 300. So you're selling two thirds less merch and you're selling two thirds less concessions. And can you afford to tour on that? Can you yeah. afford to clean yeah. the whole place after every show? And I mean, it's going to be this yeah. whole new, what, what my brother calls the new abnormal. Yeah, and I think what we're going to see uh, with venues, it may be a little different. But I've, you know, I, right down the street from my house, there's one of my favorite breweries, uh, and they, you know, they've been managing to stay open by selling beer takeout, which I think's funny. All the liquor laws, like suddenly I can buy I beer takeout, and where, where was all, this before? All, all of a sudden, driving <laughs> up and getting a beer handed to you in your car is a hundred percent legal. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't know what happened, but okay, I'll roll with it. But anyway, um, I was talking to them, and he's like, yeah, they're looking like the restaurants may be able to start opening up, but we're going to wait and see and see how other people do it so we don't make a lot of mistakes or spend a lot of money and it not work out and people not want to come. And so I'm like, yeah. venues may have that same feeling where they're like, like you said, it's like, yeah, who wants to go to a, a social distancing concert? It may be something that um, people don't want to come or they're scared. It's, not fun. it's going to take yeah. some time, right? Yeah. Yeah, I so, don't want to go to a crowded venue right now <laughs> or anytime soon. But the, the opportunity that might be there for independent artists, and this is something where I've been telling people, it's like, get your digital house in order, think strategically about what people might be going through in order to get their business open. They may want a band playing on their stage that doesn't have a very big following, just to say that live music is back, but know that a thousand people aren't going to show up. Right. So it may be something like, look, we've got... If we play, 20 people will show up. Let us on the stage. You'll, you'll be able to say your venue's open again. It could be a whole news story about live music's back. Let us take the stage, and we'll have 20 fans show up. It'll be it'll look good for everyone. We'll get some photo ops on your stage. and So, you know, there's some ways to think strategically about it. 
and approach yeah. people in a way that might, you know, be a different angle than you would ever use at any other time. Yeah. Ke- Kevin, getting back to, you know, this being a great time to record and release music, CD Baby, you know, is known for distribution. Every client I talk to is like, you know, I'm already on CD Baby or I'm going to use CD Baby for distribution. What are some of the most common mistakes or things musicians aren't aware of when they're setting up their single EP album for distribution? Well, probably the number one thing is that, uh, you know, in a digital space, when we're trying to, you know, like I mentioned, monetize all their musical assets and all the places possible, is that in order to do that, we need lots of information about your music. And it's not just uh, the file and the song title, you know. (laughs) So usually things like uh, the songwriters, who wrote the songs and, and... you know, a lot of bands will be like, oh, we wrote the song. No, we need to know everyone's Splits. legal songwriting name, the percentage that they wrote, and things like that. So those are some of the things that people encounter that they didn't think about that we have to have. Now, and even in years past, uh, you know, if it's been a while since you've distributed music, uh, if you used us or another distributor, they may not have asked you for those splits. You're going to get asked now. And so having that information, um, just understanding how your music is going to show up on these platforms. Another big uh, stumbling block for folks is when they have a featured artist or a collaborator, which collaboration is on the rise, which is an excellent thing. It's a, it's a great thing uh, to be collaborating with other artists to help, you know, build off of each other's audiences. And there's opportunities on the platforms when you do that. Uh, But you got to understand how that needs to be, Uh, entered in so it's done properly and gets attributed properly. So a lot of the mistakes people make come, uh, you know, with attribution um, and just understanding, you know, we need high quality art file. Your your 600 by 600 pixel thing that uh, you, you know, you liked that's a little uh, pixelated looking, that's not going to (laughs) work. You got to understand that uh, these, uh, the the music platforms uh, aren't just being enjoyed on people's phones, but on their giant big screen TVs and your artwork's going to be massive in those, those, those formats, especially Apple really cares about that as well. Sure. Um, so there's different things like that, that artists just haven't thought of <clears throat> or encountered along the way if they've never distributed music before, but it's really important because uh, for a couple reasons that, uh, you, you want your music to go out there, be properly monetized, but you also want it to stay live. Like if we, we give you a lot of information about uh, and, and go through an inspection process to make sure your music is uh, to the guidelines or the requirements of people like Apple and Spotify, because, you know, we could throw music up there randomly and there'd be some negative impact if we just did that. But the ultimate negative impact for an individual artist is that they may remove the music and just say, no, this doesn't meet our standards. And so we don't want it in our store. So a lot of the work is to make sure that doesn't happen. What, what do you recommend artists for lead time? You know, some artists are like, ah, I just recorded this. Can I release it tomorrow? Or, you know, can do, do if I want to do this right and, 
and allow for the unknown hiccups, which always seem to be there, do you need six weeks advance notice? Uh, you know, six weeks is a good cycle. I mean, right now we're a little backed up because of that wave of submissions that we've got and we inspect everything before it goes out. Um, six weeks would be plenty of time. Uh, under normal circumstances, pre-COVID, you could have, we could have worked with you like if you said, I need this tomorrow. You could do that, but you're missing out on so much opportunity if that's the way you approach the market. Um, so much of your promotion opportunity happens on the front end with setting up the release, um, taking advantage of the Spotify for Artists pitching tool, you know, which shows up, which you can use as long as it's seven days in advance. I tell people eight because they say seven, but what, where are they counting that seventh day? Because right. if, if you're like right up against the wire, they're in Sweden. Is it in Sweden yeah. time? Is it West Coast why, why time? Risk it? Yeah, why risk it? Um, and, and you have access to that pitching tool, but, you know, they already they have an editorial calendar that their editors, I'm sure, are using. And the more heads up and advance notice you can be doing with pitching and looking for uh, placements in particular places, uh, the better off you're going to be. And when you have new music, there's so much more opportunity to get the attention of a blogger or a website or um, somebody to uh, feature it. But if you only give them one week lead time, they may be like, we've already got our picks for this week. If you could wait a week, we could feature it then. But if it's been out a couple of weeks, we're not interested anymore. So there's a lot of opportunity that we always tell artists that, you know, when you're done with the music, take a deep breath, then start thinking about promoting the music. Oftentimes we get to the end of the creation process and we're just like, it's emotional. It's especially if you've been working on an album, it's emotional. You're frazzled. You just, you get to a point where you just want it to be over. And then, you make the mistake of saying, just put it out there. And you're like, no, take a deep breath, relax, uh, shake off all the, <laughs> right. you know, the, the creation process, all the, the highs and lows of it, and then start thinking about putting together a marketing plan and a, a little strategy, whether it's big or small, for releasing your music. And six weeks is a good lead time. And, 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 and I think one thing is now, now we're, that we're going through all of this, actually stop and take a look at what's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying specifically about COVID, but just what is happening in general? Is there something that's popping up, blowing up, something that's changing that could impact your ability to reach out? I mean, we've now seen because of COVID, things can literally change overnight. Yep. Overnight, an entire world can go from real world to digital world. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're going to move back to a real world, but I think you've got to understand something else could knock you back into that digital sphere. And does that impact your release? Yeah. Yeah. We just recorded an episode of the DIY Musician podcast right before uh, I jumped on the, the call with you guys here. And uh, we had a caller call in and ask about planning a release, uh, his album release. And he was just talking about, you know, the songs he plays and, and the actual event of the evening. And I was just, we were just commenting about the idea of like, I don't know if he's got an album release show planned or if he's just thinking in the future sometime because there aren't album release shows happening right now. And, well, exactly. and how do you, how do you, if you had a album release show planned and that went away, like how do you plan and 
hopefully you 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 have a multi-channel approach. So if one thing goes down, you can throw some more effort into something else. Yeah. And uh, thinking well, you, more. You're, you're exactly right. I'm I'm working with a client right now that's just um, announced her pre-order. And we were talking about, well, we can't do an album release show in the traditional sense, but why don't you reach out to some of the bigger local businesses that you have connections to and see if you can do the virtual release show through their Facebook page. You know, yeah. the, this, this business has got 50,000 likes to it. Would they like you to come on and do a live show for one hour? The challenge there is, and it, it seems so easy and everybody seems to be doing it. Yeah. But it's a new education process for these people who are not musicians. When mm -hmm. you're reaching out to the, the taco stand, they're kind of going, okay, I kind of like the idea, but what's in this for me? Why would I want to yeah. do this? What is the downside? How much lead time do I have to need to do? And all of a sudden they're gun shy. So who's your second and third backup that you've got to pitch to? It's, not the same as just calling the venue that's always booked you in the past and going, can you put me on stage? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good idea. Look, uh, connecting with businesses that have a big Facebook page where you, your music might fit in with their brand and, and yeah. doing live streaming or launching something in partnership with them. But so, it's, 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 it's something new that hasn't nope. happened before. So that just means it's going to take longer. It's going to take a little bit more time advanced time to plan it out and make it happen. Oh yeah. Especially because like, you know, you mentioned that they, they may not have thought about this. It's like an artist shows up, I've got this idea and I'm going to do this live stream on your page. Like, what, what do you, what, even, why, what, what do I get out of this? <laughs> yeah. What are you even talking about? I'm just trying to do my thing over here. And, and so there may be some time that it takes to convince them or, or, or prove out the, the idea. And so, yeah, when you're approaching people like that, it, it can, I mean, I, I can, I can tell you in this case, what we're finding is some of these businesses and actually no shock are not responsive at all. They're not yeah. responding to emails. They're not responding to Facebook messages. They're not responding to posts. You know, that's bad, but it's not shocking. We've all experienced that yeah. even pre COVID where businesses yeah. just are not responsive to customer inquiries yeah it's a crazy um, time. It, it, yeah it. it's crazy time and and as an artist you just need to give yourself a little more lead time to get things set up in this new new world yeah yeah and i love that people are trying new things i've got one client who's doing this daily video break at noon they call the daily breather where they just get on and they take a deep breath they light a candle they talk about something that they're thankful for and then they play a song and that's it every day at noon the band is the accidentals and i love this little break and i breathe along with them and i light my candle along <laughs> with them but that's something that i would never have thought you know to do and whether it's collaborating with other artists to try to grow your audience whether it's what michael's talking about with businesses be creative and try new things. You know, that's where we're at today. Yeah. I, when, when you guys were talking, I was reminded about, uh, uh, this artist here in my, um, hometown here. I live outside the Portland area and, uh, they made, 
gigantic front news, front page news. I mean, the picture was massive because they started doing driveway concerts. And they <laughs> just did it at their house. Uh, the first the first one that made the front page of the paper. And then, like, the picture was massive. It's like, I can't remember the last time I saw an artist get a picture that big right. on the newspaper. But it was because it fit the times. What and it was they got creative. They just were like... Uh, um, went out on their driveway and set up a sound system and played and all the neighbors kind of sat on their driveways and watched and and they started doing uh, these driveway concerts where you know <laughs> if you throw out a power cord they don't have to talk to you they don't have to they'll just show up and they'll play for you and all the neighbors you don't have to have any contact what so a great idea i love that i have a friend of mine who's a photographer who started doing what he called um porch portraits yeah yeah so he'd go around and take family portraits of them you know doing their thing but i love that idea because you see this all the time in other countries and you see it here where people come out on their balconies and they listen to somebody sing the national anthem or whatever <laughs> it is Man, I, I would love it if there was a band in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I wasn't just a guitar player. I'd go out and do a show, but I, I'm not a singer. A <laughs> I'm out there acoustically, you know, and... Well, if, if, you follow, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll, you'll know that I, I've turned my garage into a club, and I put in lights yeah. and a smoke machine. I've been shooting videos in there, and... I, it started just to entertain my daughters and then I, you know, I, I, I think, entertain I think myself. <laughs> all of this virtual stuff, people need to think about it really. It's, it's such a catchphrase, but you really got to think outside of the box. It's not just creating another concert experience. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even have to involve playing music. It could be, you know, yeah. what you're, Jay, what you're talking about with the accidentals. Yeah. It could just be everything but playing a song. It, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be the old school traditional. I got to get on stage. I got to play for 60 minutes. I got to take a break. I got to thank the, the wait staff. That, that, <laughs> you know, no, you don't have to do any of that anymore. Kevin, yeah. I like your idea Literally with no a garage. Rule. Are you opening up the door so the neighbors can see? Or are you just doing this for fun? Well, I've been shooting some videos inside and doing it for fun, but um, uh, it started when right before uh, my my daughter's tenth birthday was like the week after the the shelter in place thing went in place, and yeah. she wanted to have a dance party for her birthday, and so I'm like, oh, I'll go get some lights and put it in the garage and, and make it more of a like I'll be the DJ. And then when this started happening, I, I got a little overboard and started buying more stuff. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm going to, this actually is like a cool video set. It looks, and people thought I was actually on stage, like some of the videos I'd shot. And, and so um, I haven't opened it up to the neighbors, but when the smoke machine, when it's going, I've noticed when I put the garage door up, it looks like my house is on fire. And so <laughs> I, uh, I, I could, stand out on the driveway like, that's all right. It's yeah. all right. <laughs> but yeah, so I've just been trying to, you know, I was just thinking, what can I do, uh, you know, to do something fun online, engage and do something That's musical cool. and try something different. And um, yeah, I think I, I agree with Michael. It doesn't have to be, you could do stuff that doesn't even have to be like playing, like the idea that what you're saying, that this artist just created this thing, a, a community moment when people sure. get together 
and um or interviews it, you know i saw this yeah. really cool interview where richard marx is doing this series of interviews you may have seen some on youtube one of them was with paul stanley and they're not really talking that much about music per se they're talking about life they're talking about food they're talking about ideology and it was one of the most fascinating interviews i think i'd ever seen because there was no time limit. There was no expectation. Yeah. So to Michael's point and to yours, it doesn't have to be music, but you can still engage with an audience during this time. It's got to be creative. Yeah. Well, and also one thing that's definitely worth noting is that both Facebook and YouTube, uh, especially Facebook, have started rolling out new features like crazy. And it's yeah. I'm sure this whole situation kicked them into overdrive. But a lot of artists, and I'm in the same boat, have been like, well, my band's not in the same place. We can't live stream. Or even if just shelter, even if we were in the same city, we, you're supposed to be at home. So, uh, yeah. But there's uh, the Facebook Watch Party. It allows you to do things where you could have a whole like playlist of videos, whether it be live clips or behind the scenes stuff queued up, and you could go have breaks and actually talk about it. And so it's almost like, where you can host a show and use the Facebook watch party to show live clips, do commentary and all sorts of things. And so that's, that's a really cool option that kind of goes along with, it doesn't have to be you playing live. You can use content you already have and just use it as a yeah. fan engagement tool um, and a way to get everybody together. Uh, just using your music as uh, a jumping off point. And uh, like uh, one feature that I love that, uh, YouTube is really leaned into it. They launched, I think, in the fall, but it, it's really become a key, and Radiohead's leaned into it a lot. Uh, they, their premiere feature. So you can create an event around a premiere, and when everyone watches it, they're watching it at the same spot. It's not like they all start at the beginning. So like for that first watch through, it's like everyone's watching together and commenting and, and stuff like that. So I think those are tools that people can use outside of just live streaming or whatever that allows you to harness the platforms to bring everybody together around your music. And, you know, um, Radiohead, I think has been doing it every Friday. I know there's a new one today that I wanted to check out because it was like, it looked like a really great concert. That's been releasing concert footage because they record everything, but they just hoard it and don't share. So <laughs> <laughs> they finally are sharing and they're using the tools, I think in a great way that, that brings the fans together. They can chat about it while it's happening. They can feel like they experienced something together. It was all online. So uh, there's lots of great stuff popping up. And I know there's more being launched. I know Facebook has some more things that they have in the works coming up. Yeah, super cool. Well, Kevin, we could talk to you all day long. Right? <laughs> I've got nothing else to do. They won't let me out of the house. <laughs> well, at least thank God you have your garage, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So tell tell our, our viewers, you know, where can they learn more about cd baby kevin bruner small town poets um garage concerts where can they where can they find you uh well if they want to find me personally i'm just at k bruner on instagram and twitter uh you can find me on instagram a lot in my last you know it's just the letter k in my last name bruner b-r-e-u-n-e-r -E and then um uh, CD Baby, just head on over to cdbaby.com. Uh, you should definitely check out the DIY Musician blog and the DIY Musician podcast. Uh, we talk about a lot of these strategies. And on that, on our blog, it, it tells I, is where that article of how I created that Zoom video. 
Um, and it's really easy and people should try it. Awesome. Uh, and small town poets, we're just small town poets on all the platforms and yeah, we've, we've been busy writing and releasing new music and trying stuff ourselves. And so it's been, it's been exciting. Part of it has been like, you know, everyone's dealing with all sorts of things, like even just all your habits being broken at once is, is a challenge and sure. not seeing people being home. Uh, but the one thing that's been nice is uh, I've been doing a lot of creating and it's like, this is what I want to do anyway. <laughs> so right. maybe all that other stuff I was filling my time with wasn't as important. So awesome. that's what been one nice thing I will say, but I miss people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Awesome, Kevin. Thank you so much for sitting down with us yeah, this week. Yeah. It's always great yeah. catching up with you. Good seeing you, Kevin. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. Yeah, you know, Jay, it's always fun talking with Kevin. I mean, he, he's he's like us. He comes from what we're doing. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's the type of thing where the three of us could just sit down at an event and we could probably talk for six hours before we realize. Yeah. Time of day about it. Um, always, always a great conversation with Kevin and, you know, as someone who's a musician and helps musicians, he's got a different take than a lot of folks that we deal with. He knows, you know, it's like when we talk to Ari Herstan, you know, Mm -hmm. these guys know what it's like to both exactly uh, both sides of the coin so um it, always a good conversation yeah for sure for sure so as always um just a quick shout out to hypebot.com thank you bruce for everything you do to support us bandsintown.com you've got to check them out everybody they it, it's just a must-have service and of course disc makers again thank you so much for your continuing support of the music biz weekly podcast yep um, if you are watching or listening on YouTube, hit that little red subscribe button on the screen on Spotify, follow us on Spotify and iTunes, subscribe, leave a review and leave a rating. We, we love it all. It. We appreciate it all. Um, that's it. Music biz weekly podcast. We are out of here till next week. <laughs>